All right. I just did a Guild Wars podcast and a WoW t-shirt. But I can now say, I did 20 episodes of a good podcast, and all I've got to show for it is this shirt. Hey, you're listening to the Relics of War podcast, podcast about Guild Wars, Guild Wars 2, and the Guild Wars community on the whole. My name is Ryan. I'll be your host, and with me here today is Tasha from the Guild Wars Guru Auctions and Split Infinity Radio at siradio.fm. How are you doing? Hello, folks. Yeah, I'm okay. Thanks. How are you? I'm doing excellent. Uh, I imagine also doing excellent, even though all of us actually sound really tired. But... <laughs> Also doing excellent here today is Tiger Feet with the Secret Agent Cat blog at secretagentcat.com. Hey there. And John from the Guild Wars 2 forum.com website. Hey, hey, hey. Now, see, that was the only one that I actually spelled out in the notes, so I'm like, Guild Wars 2 forum. Oh, I know this, Guild Wars 2 forum.com. Ah, so I bought your website for you. Yeah. <laughs> you glad I did that? Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very... Uh, very strong lineup we got here today. All of us have our own little projects. Unlike Chaz, he's just Canadian. What have you guys done this week? Uh, um, yeah, not a whole lot. Been I, actually, um, I actually managed to find some time to play Guild Wars this week. Shocking, I know, but I actually managed to find some time, and I've been finishing off the War in Kreiser. Didn't get very far. That battle for Lion's Arch is horrible. But fantastic job for the devs for actually making something that's a challenge, and you can't just fall, you know, just roll through. So yeah, that's cool. Been playing through the end game of uh, Guild Wars Nightfall with nothing but hinges and uh, heroes, which isn't fun. Aww. One wipe and I don't have the patience like I used to. It's like one wipe and I'm like, screw this. Yeah, and then you shut it off. I'm the same way too. <laughs> I used to be able to just like redo things like over and over until I completed them, but. Anymore, I just don't have the patience for it. Maybe we could all get together, because my wife's at the same point that I am, and we can knock it out finally, because I'm interested to see what's at the end of that. It would be good to get together and, and finish it all off. Have a little. Oh, and a note about the war in Kryda. Once you finish Battle for Lion's Arch, make sure to stick around, even when you think they're done talking, because there's a whole bunch of extra stuff after they after you think they're done talking. They keep going, and I missed it, and Hunter missed it, and whoever else was with us when we did it, but yeah. I hate when stuff like that happens. They just have like a long pause for theatric effects, but everybody misses it. You see that? That actually happens quite a bit in Guild Wars. I suppose that was a criticism. That was terrible of me. Um, I was going to say, oh, the other day, the other day I had a bunch of a uh, Kurzik faction, and I don't know what happened. I just kind of went crazy, but I went and bought, like, what was it, 44 Urgaz's Warren Scrolls? So... <laughs> I think, well, because I wanted about 44 Gaki pets. Okay. So I need to start getting my butt into Urgaz's War now. I actually have a lot of them for the deep, too, but I want a Gaki. I want more Gakis. Gaki's awesome. Gaki for president. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe the Gaki can replace Togo. Yeah, but we all love the. We're kind of. Well, I shouldn't say I love the Gaki because he makes me laugh so hard that it makes it hard for me to do my job. I mean, when you're just randomly standing there healing and all of a sudden out of nowhere you hear. Bleh! Uh, he should be our mascot I'm all up for that Gaki's being representatives of Relics of War for the Gaki podcast (laughs) when I was in cross country in high school I got chased by a goat 
true story. We were running by this farm, and uh, there was a road on the side of that farm, and there was this goat just out there. Well, we're running past. It's like the sixth mile or whatever. Who cares? And I decide that thing needs to go back home. So I go chasing after the goat, and it ran from me. And I got it about to the driveway of that farm, turned around, and on my way back, the whole cross-country team that was right behind me was laughing so hard. And I'm like, yeah, that was pretty funny. I'm awesome. And then uh, one of the guys at the front is like pointing at me and laughing like, you really need to look. So I'm like, oh, crap. They're not just thinking I'm funny. I turn around, and that sucker's gunning for me. His horns are down and <laughs> got to ram it straight the butt. And I'm like, oh, crap. So I turn around, I grab it by the horns, and I ran backwards for a long time with that thing after me. Oh, that's funny. You should have wrestled him to the ground like you can do in uh, Legend of Zelda. I probably, Princess. probably could have done that. I was afraid he would bite me, though. <laughs> Wait, if if this is like the Gaki show, does that make us all shepherds? No, it would make us goat herds. Because shepherds are with sheep. Mm. <clears throat> oh, Good point. I think I missed whatever reference you were trying to make. I'm sorry. I wasn't trying to make any reference at all. I was just being stupid. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> it works out. As far as things that are going on with the guild right now, we're still very willing to have more guildies. There's always at least, you know, a few people on, but we're looking to have one of the more active guilds right now because, I mean, we're kind of centered around something that's pretty active now. For people that don't know, the guild is also kind of building itself so that when Guild Wars 2 comes out, we've all got a guild already. Um, so if anybody's kind of looking for a place to, you know, make a reservation for a guild in Guild Wars 2, this is a place to start, at least, so... I signed up. Yeah, and we I haven't s- been able to add you yet. I think it's because uh, nobody's playing right now. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Okay, Um, before we get into these segments, um, we also want to talk about how Gamescom is coming up here soon, and there is a schedule. And if you look at that schedule, it's on the NCSoft website. We'll put the, the link in the show notes. But um, there's also a way to watch as the reveal of the first Guild Wars 2 public demo goes live. There's, you can watch it. So it's not just for people in Germany. I mean, they're the ones who get to play it, but it's going to be a pretty, pretty big event, so you want to stay tuned yep. for that. There's um, going to be a Ustream link that's streaming from the stand all day, every day. So you'll be able to see, uh, sit there and watch the um, Martin doing the Guild Wars 2 live demos or the Ion stage stuff, the cosplay, the book signings, everything else like that. They're going to stick video and pictures up on the website as well. Um, Another thing as well, if you are actually going out to Germany, on the Thursday night, there's a party in a club called Goldfinger, which I find quite funny, um, (laughs) down in the place. I'm not going to try and pronounce it. My German is horrible. Um, So, yeah, I will probably be there at the party. I'm about 95% sure I will be there. So that'd be cool to meet people if you are going down. So in that case, the only thing you really have to miss is the warm beer. You can still partake of plenty actually, of cosplay. And actually playing Guild Wars 2. Yeah, yeah, that would be nice. <laughs> Who wants to do that? I mean... I'm more sad about it? the warm beer. Uh, the thing that worries me is there's all these people saying, I'm going to go around and find out how big all the explorable areas are and find out how much damage you do. And I'm sitting there <laughs> thinking, why? What's the point? It's a demo environment. <laughs> how big the demo is is nothing compared to how big the actual world is and as for how much damage you do it's about another six months before it releases it'll get balanced and your calculations will be nothing just sit there and enjoy the game for like sorry that's right um bleep yeah that out. <laughs> you add bleep sounds i do <laughs> he doesn't have bleep sounds he needs to when i'm around unfortunately i think i can start doing hiccup sounds over it if i knew you we could cuss i'd have been cursing all up and down this joint Oh, man. 
<laughs> yeah, well, I don't think anyone would see bleeps would be like, what is this, a rap song from Walmart? Oh, that's a good one. Captain, what be that over there? Or, let be sequel scuttlebutt. They talked about personality a lot more this week. Um, how you can develop your character through the ways that they respond to NPCs and stuff. And it looks like it's not going to change exactly what you can do or what you get out of NPCs, but it just affects the way that they do these things for you. How do I put this? Um, say you've got a man who has a sword that you would like to have. Either you can charm it out of him, or you can punch him in the face and take it. Yeah. Either much. way, you'll get the sword. It's just how you go about doing it. Now, Mine's- the... There's also, they said something about getting pie, though. Like, you'd be able to get pie if you're one type of person, but not another. Well, I want to be the type of person who gets the pie. Who doesn't the want way the that, pie? The way that I read it would be would, was that um, you would be able to get pie regardless. It's just a question of whether he'd give it to you or you'd have to pay for it. Yeah. Well, I'll take a free pie over a paid-for pie. <laughs> <laughs> Reminds me of I'm... a lot of the single-player RPGs uh, they are coming out these days, Fallout 3, Dragon Age, you know, all the options they give you to completing a quest. So now it looks like that ArenaNet's wanted to take those options provided in these single-player RPGs into the MMO realm, which I think yeah. is awesome. I know this, a lot of people are comparing it to BioWare's um, story systems they've had in a number of their games, but I really like the fact that you can make choices and it's not going to lock you out of big content like you're not going to see a different story just because you wanted to play a certain personality character that stuff is left to you know whether you're choosing the Dermon Priory or the Vigil or whatever mm-hmm. but if you you know if you want to play some sweet little innocent you can you can and not have to worry about never getting to see Zaitan what I also like is and I, I picked up on this from the or from the uh, article and I think it's true is you can start off and you can just be a really nice guy or whatever always answering nice being a charming fellow and then one day go all emo Peter Parker on him and say you know what screw you guys I hate you all and start answering real mean and slowly slowly your reputation can switch up and then you yeah. can even go back I mean it's it's not like you choose what your personality is and that's it because it's not set in stone yeah I love that that's cool that's awesome it's it a really good moody person <laughs> It's like, I hate you today. Kind of reminds me a little bit of black and white, just a little bit. But I guess that that's was continued on with all the Bioware stuff, so, yeah. I haven't really played much of it, Bioware yeah. stuff, but black and white, I played a lot of. That was really good fun. I, com- I completely forgot about that. You're absolutely right. I didn't even think of that. And I sit quietly because I never played that game. I heard a lot about it. but uh, b- Black and white, basically, you could choose whether you um, kept your villagers believing in you by giving them all the stuff they wanted or by basically burning down their houses. Huh. I liked the fact that you could pick up the villagers and hurl them across yes. the God landscape. Game. Yes. <laughs> you also got this little creature, like a pet thing, that you could teach it how to do things. And my boyfriend at the time taught his pet to skim the villagers across the water, across the sea. I thought that was quite a nice touch. So I think what we're asking for here is rag- <laughs> we're, we're asking for ragdoll physics for the villagers of Guild Wars 2. <laughs> and that we can control them in any way we want. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think we just control freaks. Maybe that's just me. 
Um, another thing they were talking about was voiceovers and dialogues in Guild Wars 2. What they're doing is they're, they're getting away from the whole bubble above somebody's head or something going on in chat, and it's actually stuff you hear literally as you're playing the game to help you to understand what's happening around you. That way, I mean, you don't have to be as much of a lore freak to really understand what's happening with the story. You know, because if I play other MMOs, and there's little chat bubbles coming up over anybody's head. I don't care. I, I'm just sitting there waiting. You know, I've probably looked up a walkthrough of the fight or whatever, and I'm just waiting for a certain time to hit when the fight begins. Where with this, you're actually going to hear it, and I, I don't know. I like that because it immerses you in the story whether or not you're the type to typically do that. What I'm interested in is if your own character will have its will have a voice because they're talking about holding conversations with NPCs and choosing different options. Well, will... Will our characters be voiced? Will we be able to choose a, like various different voices and have those as recording clips? Or will it just be, you know, you choose the option and you don't hear anything, but then the NPC responds? We're going to be more That's... like, we'll, we'll be Gordon Freeman. We'll never respond to anything. <laughs> but we'll, we'll throw people with gravity guns. Well, I think about that. And then I remember when I played uh, the original Neverwinter Nights. I don't know if the new one has it. But um, you be able to choose a different voice for your character and they'd had like 10 or 12 different voices for male and female i thought that was really really neat and i'm wondering if they might be thinking about doing something even though we haven't heard anything i wouldn't be that surprised to be honest if they did voice our characters mostly because they have um it was confirmed on one of the fan sites from one of the community managers that they are planning on um, you know they're recording sort of 60 feature-length movies worth of dialogue, but doing that for all the regionalization stuff. So there'll be a French equivalent of it and a German equivalent and all the rest of it. So if they're going to go to that extent to go and redo all the voices, I don't see why they wouldn't go to the extent of at least giving us a few options for our own voices. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I mean, they were able you gonna to go do to it in the original. Why not be able to do it here? They're devoting yeah. more resources to it. <clears throat> Yeah, yeah. I, I'm willing to imagine this talk right here. If ReNet heard it, they'd be like, "Uh, yeah, yeah, we've got that covered at least." <laughs> the other thing they pointed out, and a problem that plagues a lot of high fantasy, is um, the real kings speak elitist crap. That you know, it's it's hard for people to understand them, especially if you're not a native English speaker. Well, they don't have much of that since it's 250 years in the future. Things are a lot more contemporary, and you don't have people like in the Renaissance Fair running around saying. Good day, sir. Put something in her hand. She'll really enjoy it. Buy this drumstick. I thought I'd get a couple more laughs out of that. (laughs) (laughs) I was trying to work out what on earth you said. Oh. (laughs) Hast thou seen thine muffin man? (laughs) (laughs) Exactly, that sort of stuff. Do not tarry too long. So yeah, it'll it'll be very understandable as long as you know, you know, English. Yeah, none of that nonsense. Well, that's also another thing, is that if they are going to voice it for different languages, you could switch it, your client over to be a different language, so it could help people who are trying to learn something new. Yeah, Play I Guild saw Wars a bunch Spanish. of people mentioning that on um, on the Guild Wars 2 Guru forum, and I, I know they're probably not thinking about that when they're doing the localized voices, but that'd be really awesome, just to be able to work on my Spanish by playing Guild Wars. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, they they probably ha- they got forced into this. Probably they were like, "Well, we want to have multilingual support." Well, crap! How do we give these guys uh, King's Swedish? Yeah. Oh shit. Oh. <laughs> Rosetta just... Stone got nothing on Guild Wars Two. <laughs> <laughs> I 
I wonder if they're going to do Bork, Bork, Bork again. That got nothing. You guys know this Bork version in Guild Wars 1, right? You can change oh, your Oh, yes. Bork. The Swedish chef. Yes. I, yeah, that was hilarious. When I play, um, I, I own the game Infamous for the PS3, and this, what they're talking about here and the audio clips that they gave us, it, uh, it reminds me of Infamous when you're playing that game, because you're going through and you're doing your thing, but you hear people talking, you can hear the planes in the air, or, you know, it's it's got a very city sound to it. So it's not just a matter of what sounds should we give the player to make him feel like what he's doing is important, but it's more like, what sounds should we give the player to make him feel like he's in a world? Yeah. Where there's things going on besides what he's doing. When I listened to that um, monologue he had with the background stuff layered behind it, um, one thing I thought was that that marketplace wasn't nearly as crowded as they were making it out to be. But I also got the impression that everyone who was speaking might be actual in-game NPCs that you might be able to go over and kind of listen to what they're saying or talk to them. So while I didn't think it was as busy as they they might have hoped it was i got the impression that it'll be much more immersive than it could be than if they had just a regular background title track with the roar of the dull roar of people talking and the dull roar might have might be something you still come across in game they might have just been picking something that's a little mediocre in its depth so that wouldn't overwhelm some people it's kind of a you know when you got to present something like that to the public without actually giving them a chance to explore it themselves you got to be really eclectic about how you do it. I mean, just look what happened when they put the uh, quips in there for skills. Oh, oh yeah. man, people freaked out, which let's emphasize one more time. Those can be turned off. And they don't happen that often anyway. So um, uh, also on in regard to sound, the musician, I guess you'd call him a musician or composer from the first Guild Wars, is back for this one. His, yeah, his name is Jeremy Soule. This guy is, that guy is amazing. Didn't he do the music for the new Star Wars movies also? I think he did. Uh, I don't think so. Jeremy Soule tends to do um, games only. Um, I have looked up his profile on Wikipedia, and I know he did one of the Harry Potters, or at least two of the Harry Potter games. Um, but yeah, it's also worth noting that I think it's his brother, um, Julian Soule, did some of the music for Ivan North as well, so I wouldn't be surprised if both of them are back for Guild Wars 2, which is awesome. I love the, the music for it. Yeah. yeah. I've got the original soundtrack in my car, and I pop it in the CD player whenever, I, whenever I'm in a mood to feel epic while I'm driving on my commute to and from work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, I might be mistaken. It might have been like a Star Wars game or something that he did the music for. It I might s- be. I don't know. <laughs> hmm. We'll find out afterwards. Everybody will tell me. Yep. Um, okay. And uh, s- there was some small bits from the website. What was it called? Okay. That, I think that's French, right? Yes. So, do you really want me to take a shot at French? Cause you can I, do the English translation of it. Well, I think the English people like to call it Universe Virtuals or something. It's like Virtual Universe. But anyway, in French, it's like Univers Virtuel. Virtuel, I've been watching this movie called A Town Called Panic. And there are these, it's like, it's the most crazy claymation you have ever seen. And they're speaking French. And you're reading the subtitles, and it's like scary engaging. Because you're just trying to figure out what the crap's going on, kind of like Teletubbies. <laughs> so, the whole time this is going on. <laughs> The whole time this is going on, you're subconsciously absorbing how f- French talk. And so I always find myself wanting to just turn around and look at my son and be like, or something like that. I don't know. Anyway, maybe I just cut that out of the show because that's embarrassing. <laughs> hang on. Hang on. Why do you get to be cut out when you do embarrassing stuff and the rest of us don't? All you have to do is tell me. 
where you were embarrassed, and I'll be sure to put it at the front of the show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll leave anyway, that there to make things fair. But um, <laughs> what did I say? Oh, you can meet friends right out of the character creation gate. So if you make a Norn and you have somebody who's making an Asura, it's not a factor. You don't have to worry about, oh, now we're going to have to go meet each other eventually. The moment you're created, you can go hang out with them. Just go through an Asura gate. Which is also especially two things. That there isn't going to be some kind of cushy leveling area. I mean, I'm sure you're going to have a tutorial, but it might be skippable. And you're not going to have some area where you have to level from 1 to 5 before you can have access to your main mm-hmm. city. And that I believe they already mentioned it, but people seem to overlook it. That the Asura Gates, their purpose is to connect you to places you've never been before. Mm-hmm. And if you've read the book, it, it makes sense in terms of the world. So if you're worried about how you're going to be able to meet up with other races just on a whim, um, just uh, rest assured that in the Ghosts of Asalon, it's all explained about how everyone meets up and all that jazz. And another note from this website was, not every profession has chains. Because you know, people saw that warriors had kind of a chaining effect with their skills where they also pointed out that an elementalist does not. So that's not really an overarching me- you know, mechanic of the game. It's very focused. Skill chains, uh, I believe they said, are, are a melee weapon kind of thing, for the most part. They said sometimes there's a few exceptions, but by and large, you'll find skill chains attached to melee weapons. And there's a lot more on the website, which we'll post in the show notes, so you can go check it out for yourself. Those are just a couple of the key points that we wanted to hit on. Um, last thing for SQL Scuttlebutt I'm going to talk about is ArenaNet updated their leveling curve um, graphic or chart that they did to outline how their curve works as compared to other games. And they the one thing it pointed out was that there actually is a little bit of a curve. It goes up every time you level, but just not enough that I don't think anybody's going to care. Because it looks almost flat. It's just barely going up. What I'm really curious to see is the leveling curve. How is that going to shift the way um, leveling is done in terms of quests? You know, is is it going to be like every level that you have throughout the game is going to have an equal amount of quests to go along with it? So that when you get to the end game, is there going to be just as much to do there as there was in the beginning? So not only are they going to have to worry about leveling the curve, they're going to have to worry about how they're going to level the content that gets you to each level, that makes sense. But there are no quests. Well, you know what I mean. Like, the content that it is equal to what level you're on, I guess is a better way to say it, since there aren't technical quests. But you mean, still like, gonna the personal have... story? Yeah. Like, they're going to have to balance all of that out to get you to the final level, which is 80, which you know, that's a lot of balancing in terms of putting the uh, right content for each level. It seems to me I'm, like the, they're, they're kind of putting less of an emphasis on making you more powerful per level. So, you know, from le- one level to the next, it's not really as big of a jump as you might see in other games. I wouldn't be surprised if you see level 40s and level 60s doing stuff together and both of them being viable, you know? Mm. Well, there's, there's also that the reverse sidekick, too. Um, like if a level 40 comes out comes down to help out a level 5, their level will be throttled back to maybe about equivalent to a level 8. And I don't know if they've said what um, what rewards you'll get from going back to help your friends. I know they've, if they haven't said it outright, they've implied quite heavily that they want you to, they want something like that to be rewarded. They want you to get something out of going back 
and helping out. Um, They've mentioned karma. I don't know if you'll get some small amount of experience, even going back to less love, lower level content. But I, I I don't think it's going to, yeah. That was something else that came out of that um, personality thing was that we're going to get wearable titles again. That, and that will change as your personality progresses. As you change your personality, the wearable titles that you'll be able to have in-game will change as well. There's been a lot of consideration for Endgame. That ArenaNet is not um, dropping that ball. They're just right now trying to get us all on board with what happens before that. But it looks like there's a, a lot to be done in the Endgame, and they're just not working into that yet. I have to say, if they're not looking at it, then they're going to have a problem. That's pretty much what happened with Ion. Mm-hmm. And I hope that NCSoft have learned that creating a huge amount of leveling without something to keep people entertained at the end of it doesn't keep people interested. Seems like so many MMOs like have that problem. And you think that eventually they would learn that endgame is just as important, even if not more important than the leveling content. The thing is, I think there's a often a conflict between the game designers that want to make a great game and the guys with the money that want to see a return on their investment. Yeah, and that leveling addiction is a good way to get a return on an investment. People exactly. stick to it because, man, that that uh, that little gene in some people that gets them addicted to gambling, it plays very well in MMOs as well. <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely. <clears throat> but, I mean, so, something I've been noticing recently, things like um, the Star Trek game and, oh, God, back in the day, Hellgate London. I think Lord of the Rings, they all sold... Um, you know, lifetime subscriptions to their games and there was nothing to do or the game wasn't polished or for one reason or another they all just failed and have gone free to play or just died on their feet because there wasn't enough care taken because they just wanted to get the money out. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, not a good idea. I've been thinking about how it seems like ArenaNet wants to change how players think about playing through an MMO and they... It's almost like they want us to feel more like we're playing a traditional RPG mm-hmm. where you play through and once you beat the game, it's done. And if you want to continue playing, you play through again, which is they've really hint- they've really brought that forward with the the quest chains and the personality system and the personal story and how you can they're really stressing that every time you play through, it can be a completely different experience. Um, but it's also an MMO and people will spend a lot of time on these characters and become attached. Mm-hmm. And it's just like me with my monk. I love my mesmer to death, but I've invested so much time. I really want to do things with that character. I want to progress that character. I'm not, I'm not as interested with working on another one. And I know there's a whole un- bunch of people who are exactly the opposite. They'll roll maybe... 101 different characters and play them all a little bit and never never reach the end game but I know there's I think there's more people like me who will play through with one or two characters and try to get them as best they can from the big hoo-ha about the Hall of Monuments a while back I'd actually say it's pretty evenly split because when the Hall of Monuments first came out it was aimed at you having the one character that you played and at the time, I mean, I, I have 11 PvE level 20 characters. They've all finished the game. And at the time, they each had their own pet project titles. 
And when the Hall of Monuments came out, it was just like, well, that's no good. I'm not going to get rewarded for this. And I ended up having to change my play style just to make sure that I got the rewards. Oh, okay. So, and then they added the, you know, you can pile all the titles together and all the rest of it. So I think there's a for and against argument for both styles of play. And if we're in there, I've got to go for that mantra of, we want you to play this game the way that you want to play it. They're going to need to at least have a substantial enough end game to keep people somewhat entertained. Obviously, mm-hmm. you can't do everything. But. It makes me wonder if they're going to go the way of the first game, because we haven't heard anything hardly about PvP, where in the first game, you know, they set a story for each campaign, and when you were done with that, it seemed like our internet was like, well, if you want to keep going, go on to PvP and GVG. That was kind of the end game content of the original Guild Wars, and it makes mm-hmm. me wonder if they're going to maybe translate that into the second one because we haven't heard anything so maybe they might be going that route as well or maybe we'll get more game content updates in the second one than we saw in the first so i don't know the silence on pvp for me is a little bit worrying i do love guild wars pvp it's great i don't play it as much anymore because people i want to play it with have stopped playing but i still love it and it's a great marketing tool um, you just have to go to the convention to see how many people actually sit and watch people playing competitive games to realize that it is a great marketing tool. Um, I trust ArenaNet to be able to deliver on the competitive PvP style side of their game, but I wish they would be a little bit more forthcoming about how it's going. Well, that French website that I was talking about had a little bit on their responses to some PvP questions, which... I don't know. In in my eyes, what I see happening is right now they're focusing on a specific area of what to release about the game in terms of Mm. building interest. And right now, what they have for PvP is not part of it. But Mm. I I do know that they've got at least a substantial amount of focus on PvP going right now because Joe Hostel was even talking about... uh, He was twittering a while ago about how they were doing some testing and all that for Guild Wars 2 PvP and said he was loving it. And, you know, he's a venerable PvP guy for the original <laughs> the classic guild wars so <laughs> almost went there almost did you it. slipped up yeah but the thing with the thing with the pve and the pvp split is that generally the pvp is shout the loudest but they're your minority group of players just by the number of people that get involved in it so i can understand why they're trying to get pve players interested because that's the money maker yeah and that's going to get a lot of hate mail that sentence right there i'm hoping that they have some sort of systems in place that make it easier for a beginning PvPer to to get up and running. Because I was trying mm-hmm. to do HA this morning. Um, I really wanted to get some kind of rank emote. And it just, oh, it was awful. I went and I, I got my build sorted and I practiced and I knew what I was doing. And then I spent three hours and got nothing done. And I'm like, oh, man, I don't want to have to search for a different guild. I really like this place, you know, Relics of Ore. But you I do need a PvP geared guild yeah, to do this stuff. That's something really I do. hope we can see fixed for. Well, I mean, Guild Wars 2 allow you to have different guilds per character. So that's a partial mm. fix for that. Yeah, but it's hard as heck to find a Guild Wars guild. I mean, there's no centralized listing of guilds that, hey, I'm rec- we're recruiting, here's what we do. Yeah. Or maybe I just need to get onto Guild Wars Guru more. Well, Guild Wars Guru, uh, despite my position, is not the be-all and end-all of Guild Wars fan sites. There are others out there, but yeah, it does get a lot of hits. 
The sky will be blue. I heard it's going to be produced by ArenaNet. I heard you can use a keyboard with this game. I heard this game will work on Windows 7. I heard you'll need a monitor to play this I game. I heard that Norman are really tall. That's just speculation. Okay, so for today's Speculators Corner, we're going to read a couple emails that invited a little bit of speculation. So the first one comes from Ben, who is a, a prominent member of, who's an officer of our guild right now, and he runs our vent server and all that. He says, Hey gang, to start I must say great podcast. It's really refreshing to listen to such a well-produced podcast that covers Guild Wars 2 news, while still having the contributing segments and content about Guild Wars 1. Yes, one, ArenaNet says so. First of all, screw you. Second of all, <laughs> Guild Wars 1 sounds like it's made with Splenda, okay? So if uh, Ruby wants to say <laughs> Guild Wars Classic sounds like it's Coca-Cola, I would much rather have a Coca-Cola video game than either a KFC video game or a Splenda video game. I just won this argument again. Stop trying. <laughs> Further with the email. My question is how you think Guild Wars 2 will handle finding groups with random players. I really hope they find a way to follow Blizzard's looking for dungeon system in World of Warcraft. Yeah, yeah, let's follow Blizzard. I'm ripping into you now because you started it. Okay. If there's one thing that WoW has done right, it is hands down the looking for dungeon system. While the party number above players' heads in mission outposts combined with auto-invite and search menu is nice, it certainly is not perfect. This system has led to personal frustration of people not understanding what HM means and trying to go along with me while not having access to hard mode. No frustration is greater than wasting 25 minutes in an outpost trying to find a group when I could be working on secondary quests instead. They are giving us the auction house so we don't have to sit and trade staring at our screens like zombies. Now help with missions. Has something been said about this or did I just miss it? What do you think ArenaNet will do? Um, what else did he say? Oh, one last thing. Guild Wars 1, Guild Wars 1, Guild Wars 1. You're stupid, you're stupid, you're stupid. Ben, a.k.a. Epic Wind in-game PS Pie. He's trying to kiss up. He's trying to kiss up at the very end there. Yeah, he is. So, what do you guys think? Are they going to have, do you think they'll have like a looking for dungeon system or will that be applicable? I think it'll be a little bit applicable because they've mentioned there, there will be dungeons. But for the, I think for the majority of people working through the game, until they get to end game, it's not really going to be that big of a deal because of the event system and the fact that you don't have to be in a group. That's, but I, no, that makes sense to me. That's kind of what I was thinking, too, was that the event system is kind of going to be something that sidesteps that and almost makes the whole idea of that not really necessary. But I could be wrong. Well, you will still have groups. I think it was, I think it was that uh, Universe Virtuals interview that I was asking about the map, and you can still draw on the map, but only the people who are in your group can see it. So we know there's still groups. I think what would be nice is uh, having maybe looking for dungeon, looking for party, whatever system um, that you can use no matter where you are in the world and give people the option to teleport you to their location. So if someone is outside of the dungeon in question and they put up a message saying they're looking for more people, if you're over the other side of the world, they can teleport you to their position straight away. So you don't have to wait for them to cross however many miles it is to get to you so you don't have to necessarily be in the same area that you're you know that you're going to be doing to be involved in the group would also be like train wreckage well done (laughs) (laughs) i could see that interfacing with how they're how the pvp is going to be hot joinable and Mm. the waypoints you know if you could combine those two things together i think that would go a long way to being something like what you're describing 
that would be really awesome if you would be in the middle of an instance, someone just leaves being a jackass or whatever, and someone else could just pop right in and keep it going. I believe that's actually been said, hasn't it? The, the I have killer. to say, there's actually a feature in Ion, and actually something that Ion did really, really well was their party system. Is that if you are in an instance with someone and someone leaves or they get kicked out and they can't get back in because everything's on a timer, you can conjure someone into your instance with you. That's cool. I want to know if you'll be able to kick someone out of the group. Like if you get into your, you start doing something and they're just AFK or you know leeching yeah. along mm-hmm. for the ride. Hunter and I ran into a lot of that this yesterday. We were trying to do a mission and oh, it was just AFK. It was awful. The thing is, that I think they want to protect against people being douchebags to each other and just kicking someone else out because they got nice loot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a certain amount of that too. Um, I know in WoW you could vote to kick somebody. And if the vote passed, I mean, I don't know. I don't know how you can really get past um, the problem of people being total jerks. I mean, except for just you to can't. say, look, yeah, I think they should just make it so you can kick somebody. And that's why you only run with people that, you know, you know and like. It's a social game. So, I mean, that's part of it anyway. Well, and WoW was the group leader who had ultimate control. Yeah. Mm. So, yep. But yes, would be nice to have, please. Thanks. Okay, bye. <laughs> <laughs> You know what would be cool is if they had kind of a calendar type function, maybe offline. So that what you could do is you could set up an event that the, the guild is going to go do or whatever. And then people could go in and say, I can show up, I can show up. And then you could have it slated before everybody even goes to do it. And then everyone just hops right in. Because, I mean, if everything's going to be, uh, how do you put it? If everything's going to be able to translate to the website, that would be a sweet function. It would be nice. I have to say, I've actually been developing a system like that for my guild. Because our website is currently a forum and it doesn't work for us so I've actually been developing that in my spare time so if Arena don't do it then I'll have the functionality to do it <laughs> <laughs> that's a good segue into your second email that we've got yes it is does someone want to read that one or do you want me to I'll read you it, it. Okay. Oh, hi guys love the show yada yada everyone else already said that already out <laughs> everyone else already said whatever I could say so I'm mixing it up that way Straight to the point, in regards to the Guild Wars 2 chat, which, according to Anet, will be available to chat out of game, do you guys have any idea if there will be an Android or iPhone client for the chat? If not, did they mention anything about releasing the API so that I can write my own app? It would be awesome to keep in touch with my buddies on my Android phone, whilst on the bus, etc. If you guys don't have any of this info, who should I email to find out? Regards. P.S. No really love the show. You didn't say who sent that. So I Regards, don't know nobody. <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> Hold on, I can dig that up. I remember his name. Oh, it's Andre. Ah, oh, crap. You guys go Enjoy. ahead and talk about that while I fudge like I know what I'm doing. Uh, what I think it sounds like to me is that ArenaNet might be going the way of social media. Um, I don't know if they're going to be trying to like start their own social network, you know, like ArenaNet Facebook or ArenaNet Twitter. Ooh, no. Um. <laughs> So I don't know if they're going to be going that direction or if they're going to have just a huge chat client on their site. Uh, but to me, I think it sounds like they're really wanting to embrace the social network that's been heating up these past few years. And I, I, I think it would be amazing. You know, I don't think any MMO has tried to go to that level yet of allowing players to... Um, chat with each other outside the game so i that if, if i had to make a guess or um 
prophesy on what is going to happen, I think we will see more net social networking integration is the direction I think they'll go in. So the guy that wrote in, his name was Andre Engelbrecht. Engelbrecht, I don't know. Anyway, um, what, what I'm thinking as far as that goes, though, is I hope they learn a little bit from what happened with Blizzard's real ID debacle. And they mm-hmm. don't try and make your personal info. I mean, other than that, fine, whatever. But just don't make personal info too available. There are too many hats playing MMOs. Mm. If I can put my guild leader hat on for a second. Um, one thing that's really, really hard with when you are trying to run a guild is getting people to go to your pers- your guild site for all the relevant news and to keep in touch and try and develop your own community rather than going to, say, the fan sites or the official site and all the rest of it. So if they don't release an API, you're only going to be able to get the Guild Wars 2 chat and the auction house system on the official site, which means that then people have to go to two places and makes them less likely to go to your page rather than to theirs. So I personally would love it for if there was an API, so I could stick it onto the guild's homepage and that way everyone can get all their information they need in the one place. However, I can't see that um, Arena will be very, very happy with someone releasing an iPhone client for the for the guild chat, what have you, charging 99 cents for it and making a buttload of money off their work. So, yeah, I, I'm really up in the air about it. I'd love it, but I don't know whether they'll do it, really. I don't think I they've think- actually said they will do it, so... I would, judging by how they've behaved in the past, I would think it could be likely. I mean, it's a tremendous opportunity for them. Plus the fact that they don't host their own servers. You know, the Mm. Guild Wars Guru and Guild Wars 2 Guru are fan-made and fan-maintained. And they're supported because the, the developers talk through there. They, you know, they use those, um, those portals to talk to us instead of hosting their own. So because of that, I think the possibility of them making an iPhone app themselves or something would be likely just because it's a huge, they could generate a good amount of revenue through that. Yeah, they could. And to bring it back, and to bring it, just tie back in with Ion, because it does have a lot of parallels, you can go onto the Ion website, sign in with your account details, and look up all your character information and also your auction house and mail system on there already. So that's how they've worked at the moment. You can't do anything like you will be able to in Guild Wars 2, like buy stuff, what have you. You can literally just see what has been sold, who sent you what mail and what is your character wearing. But that's what they've done so far in terms of NCSoft as a company. I know ArenaNet and NCSoft aren't the same, but considering Papa Bear's giving... Yeah, baby bear the uh, the money they might also put some technology in there as well and I don't think that I, that arena net would mind making their API public I think they would probably keep a close eye on it yeah uh, so that people security issues so. but if someone just wants to take their API and do something like really really cool with it and then release it for free because you know there's a lot of free apps out there mm. so I, I could see them I could see them uh, releasing the API public and there could be potential problems, but considering that Anet's all about community, I think that they would allow the community to take that API and do something with it. The other thing is to remember is that if every person in the community wants to do something good with it, there's probably two or three people in the community who want to do something bad with it, like use it to put gold chat spam in it or to steal account information. And Arena as a company has to be very, very careful 
what security holes they open themselves up for, which would be another reason why they wouldn't do it. If you allow right. people to sign in it, with information, they could possibly do something bad with it. Right, and if they did do it, I think it would be something that they would keep an eye on. Um, mm. But I, I think it would be one of those things I would love to see what the community would do. Um, oh, I would as well. I'd love it. I love it when people get hold of something really, really simple and turn it into something completely different and amazing. It's right. The fan and base think, are the biggest developers that you could ever work, you know, if I hope to get, and they work for free. So I don't and I th- see. I think it would be good can. for guilds too. It would be good for guilds mm. too. Uh, they could take the API and make their own guild app. So if you had, you know, someone in your guild that was good at programming, they could take that API and really integrate it with the already their their guild system, and then utilize that as well. So that would be another great benefit of them releasing that API public. Yep. Guild Wars Two. There's an app for that. <laughs> there you go. I can't believe so you just said that. that. I feel dirty. <laughs> the title of the show. It's a point where I I don't like Apple. So yeah, I feel dirty now. I need an acid bath. Oh, Togo! I just want to get through this already. Shut up. Okay, so for the Guild Wars Classic players, we have Togo Soapbox, and the question for Togo Soapbox is. Maximizing storage. How do you keep your storage efficient, maximized, or do you just suck at this? I suck. Me too. <laughs> I put everything that... in storage. I never have hardly anything in inventory. So I, 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 live, I live at the little storage chest. I spend about an hour on there just organizing it all. Oh, really? Cool. I'm glad you're here. I, I think I'm somewhere in the middle, but um, for the most part, I, I say I suck more than I want to. What's some tips you have for it? Uh, just buy buy as many of the uh, expansions onto the storage chest as you can. Um, and whenever you're in an outpost, always go to storage chest. Storage chest should be the first place you run to whenever you get to an outpost or a city. Uh, so that you keep that habit of always keeping your inventory clean. And that if when you have and if you keep your storage um, well organized, when you go to sell things, they're easily accessible. It, it makes it better to trade with. Um, and I know it can be a hassle, but even just taking ten, five to ten minutes, um, it, it will work wonders for increasing the efficiency of of what you do with your inventory and your items. So I highly recommend storage chest every time you go to an outpost. Yeah, when storage it, chest first. Yeah, when I show up at an outpost, first thing I do is I hold down Alt. That shows all the uh, friendly NPCs available, and the Zunlai chest will show up there, and you can click that, and you'll run to it. Once you've appeared at the chest, you can walk away from the chest and you always have access no matter where you're standing. You don't have to be by it to insert stuff into storage. Then I drop any crafting materials, obviously, into the crafting materials pane. And uh, ID everything and then sell what I don't want. You know, that standard stuff right there. But another thing you might want to do to help is if you have free character slots open or a character that you just don't use, give them as, you know, all the bags with runes of holding give them the belt pouch, maybe buy them a small um, equipment pack or even large one if you're really big on storage, and uh, just load that sucker up with all kinds of stuff once your actual chest is full. And another thing is don't keep stuff you really, really don't need. Like, I'm, I'm really debating right now on getting rid of my victory tokens just because I don't participate in that very much, and I don't think next year I'm going to be any more interested if I even play by that time. Because Guild Wars 2 might be out by then, is what I'm saying. That's... That's what I'm really bad at right there, is actually deciding what to throw away. I'm terrible at it. I've still got I've still got a Jade Wind Orb, just because I've, I want to keep it, really. Wow. Um, actually, instead of buying the storage panes, what 
can also be good is um, and save you the players a bit of money is actually going out and rummaging through the bargain bins and picking up a copy of one of the other campaigns because not only then do you get the storage the two storage panes but you also get another four character slots um, so you can basically end up with a load more storage um, without spending you know how many is it ten dollars a pane um, I mean, okay, you had then had the problem of you have to run something like um, Guild Wars multi-launch to be able to be on the characters at the same time, but it saved me so much hassle. I think I have five accounts at the moment just wow. full of stuff. Wow. Like, the, the account that I have in Relics at the moment has is full of storage people. One of them is pre-searing, and that's six characters on that account. And I have another, like, five elsewhere. That's dedicated. I am a pack rat. I am an absolutely not a pack rat. You're like the Guild Wars equivalent of the old lady with a bunch of cats in a basement. Do you know what it is? Do you know what it is? I have I collect green bows. I only oh. have I'm only missing three green bows in the entire game, so that's two characters full right there. Yeah, that's a big one. Okay, I could see how that would definitely slug up your storage. Yeah. Um, can you repeat the part of the stuff where you said all about the things? Excellent. Let the people have their pro tip sauce. Okay, now for some pro tips, um, I'm going to get into builds for a little while, just until I think of something else to talk about. And a lot of a lot of times when you go in and you start a group for a Zyshin mission or whatever, people will be like, looking for UA or HB monk. Um, it, that's a combination of two different types of monks, two builds that synergize really well. Oftentimes I'll run that with either Lacey's monk or Tiger's. Um, I don't know, what do you, you want to talk about it, Tiger? Sure. Uh, HB is short for Healer's Boon. It, the description says, elite enchantment spell for 10, 46, 55 seconds, healing prayer spells, cast 50% faster and heal for 50% more health. When paired with a, an H, no, a UA monk, um, you usually bring arcane mimicry and that will take UA. And what UA does, I don't have it pulled up right now, but it makes your healing spells hit for more. I believe it's like 25 more, something like that. And it's an enchantment spell, so it takes away a pip of energy renewal. And while you're, while you're maintaining it, your, spe- your healing spells heal for more. But when you cancel it, it automatically resurrects a random party member with maximum energy, maximum health, right at your location. So I've found it's an absolute godsend for difficult content. I mean, I, I remember one time I did the gl- bonus glint mission as the only monk in the party, and I was running as a prot monk at the time, and there was just no way I could keep everybody alive. But we survived and beat it because of Unyielding Aura, which is what UA is short for, because I, I wasn't healing anybody. I was just bringing them back to life as soon as they died. Yeah, so when you couple a UA prop monk with an HB healer monk, that UA prop monk can, you know, keep a lot of the damage down so that it doesn't happen in the first place. Meanwhile, resurrecting anybody in, like, the most optimal fashion this game has to offer. And then the healer's boon monk, once something does go bad, he's got healer's boon and UA on. So he casts, like, an instant heal party, and they usually throw auspicious incantation in there with it so that they can do auspicious, then do another heal party that actually gains them energy. So that's two immense, just huge party heals right there. Plus they run with a lot of other heal spells that also hit a lot stronger and harder than your average healer monk. The two of them together, I mean, it's really hard to see a full-on wipe 
if there is a wipe, it'll take forever to happen because the UA monk is constantly rezzing people, and the HB monk is uh, frantic and trying to get UA back. <laughs> <laughs> also, too, I, I remember we when you and I run that together, we like to play who's the fastest res in the West. Oh, yeah, I can't do that when I'm HB, though. Because I can't just take it off and then... Cause it's really, really hard to get um, UA back once you've used it. I save it simply to res the UA monk, basically. If anybody yeah. else dies, screw it. I don't care. The UA monk's alive, so, you know, it's their deal. I've also played the UA prop monk a lot lately, and that is kind of fun because um, when you do have a UA war, sometimes you'll bring two UA monks. That's fun because then you have both monks trying to res people the fastest. Good time. <laughs> So, okay, that's the segments. Um, let's do the iTunes reviews. We got one this week, and it's very pro. It comes from a guy by the name of Spug Nation, so he's already awesome. And uh, it says, Great Guild Wars podcast. You should listen because it is possible, albeit unlikely, well, thank you, that these guys could triumph in a bar fight with, with shivs against those others at Guildcast. It really depends, though, on whether the Canadian goes caribou style or moose style. If you guys send us iTunes reviews, we will read them on the show just like we did there. We love to use community feedback on the show. I mean, we're not going to slog the show down with too much uh, community interaction, but at least some, you know. So send us your emails at relicsofor at gmail.com, relicsoforr at gmail.com, or please call us at 708-202-9262. I got that phone line set up specifically for this, so would love to see it get used a lot more often we play the calls on the show so um and you can even call two or three times and say sorry i called those last few don't put those on the show that's fine we'll do that and we're also on twitter and facebook and you can also come join us on the forums at relicsofor.com slash forums yeah you don't have to be a guild member to hang out at our forums yeah also any news from split infinity this week tasha Yes, there is quite a bit of news this week. We're actually moving from a three-hour slot schedule to a two-hour slot schedule as of tonight. I actually had the privilege of the last three-hour show on Split Infinity Radio. Um, so what that means for you guys is that you get to hear a lot more DJs um, in the time that you usually listen. It also means that my show, um, The Guild Meeting, will be starting... Um, 6 p.m. UTC rather than 6 p.m. GMT like it has been last week. So it'll be an hour later than it's starting than it usually does, and it's only going to be two hours rather than three. Doesn't mean we're going to get up to any less stuff. It just means it's a le- little bit less padding from me, pretty much. Yeah. And if if two hours isn't enough, well, you know what? I'll put on another two-hour show sometime else in the week. So please do come down, say hi. I play requests and uh, play fun things with people. And if I promise not to molest you too much. And if you're part of the Relics of War Guild, um, check out the forums for the vent info because we have a channel there that constantly streams Split Infinity. Which is awesome. Yes, yeah, I, I love it. that. Who set that up? Uh, some idiot who calls it Guild Wars 1. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I have to say, it was really nice. Last week I had quite a lot of people that I recognized from Relics at, with me in Lion's Arch. So that was really, really cool, I have to say. Book was there. Yeah, if I didn't work during that time, I'd have been there. Yeah, it is a bit unfortunate of the timing. Unfortunately, if I tried to do it at a time when US people will be able to join in, it would be I wouldn't be able to get to work the next day. So yeah. But yeah, Sorry. what's what's fun about that though is I'm at work and I need something to listen to if I've listened to all podcasts and whatever. So mm-hmm. that's great to have there. Can look forward to that. Well, yeah, that's the other thing is that I mean, yeah, you might be at work, but you can still get your you can still feed your addiction. Yes. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and you can also you don't have to be an IRC to request either. You just visit the SI Radio site to request stuff. So yeah. 
Oh. I want to see your request next week, Ryan. Okay, I will do that. I'll okay. see what I can do. <laughs> um, I also have an email address now, so if you want to get stuff in advance, I'm tasha at siradio.fm. Okay. Um, see if people give me an email address. <laughs> what are they thinking? There's also been a little bit of interest in the merchandise for Relics of War. Just have the little face fire. So um, I, I'm probably going to look into that. I have a few people I want to talk to before I do something chintzy like Cafe Press or whatever. And watch now I'll end up going with Cafe Press. And they'll be like, but he said that was chintzy. But anyway, there will be that. And oh, I was going to talk about something else and I completely forgot. Blast. Oh, um, next week. Stay tuned, guys. For next week, we're going to have Loudon Swain, as we said last show. It'll be a good times to be had by all and Tasha. The Ranger. Yep. All right, then. Um, uh, that's all you guys have to say, then. I suppose we can do Wheel of Morality. Yes, we're doing it, then. Yes, I think so. <laughs> <laughs> Wheel of Morality. Turn, turn, turn. Tell us the lesson that we should learn, John. There's a massive difference between having a beard and just being too lazy to shave. Hey!